We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nine oh six on a chilly Tuesday night. KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells with you until 10 o'clock. I'm going to start with a story, very quick, and it's a story that you've all heard something about, most likely, but I was in the middle of it, uh, being a parent of teenagers, and you heard one of them on earlier, my, my teenage daughter was more the catalyst for this one, the day that Taylor Swift tickets went on sale, I was one of the many throngs that were saddled up to a laptop while they were working. Trying to keep track of the pre-sale for the Taylor Swift tickets. Now, I had done the the pre-sale bit in the past. I bought you know Cardinals playoff tickets, stuff like that. You got the pre-sale thing. You go on the deal. You wait five or ten minutes, and then it comes up. You put your stuff in. You buy your tickets. You're done in fifteen minutes, and you move on with your day. This is what I was anticipating. Uh, as it turned out, of course, like everybody else. Uh, who went through this, uh, it was from the time I logged in approximately seven hours until I finally got to that moment where I was able to buy tickets. And then I kept picking my tickets, hit go, and it comes back, sorry, those aren't available anymore. Try it again. Those aren't available anymore. And this went on. I eventually got some nosebleed tickets in Kansas City for Taylor Swift, and I was one of the lucky ones. But it calls into question a lot of things about the music industry, how things are set up, particularly with uh, Ticketmaster and Live Nation owning both all the tickets and all the venues. And joining us now to talk about it is a guy who has forgotten more about the music industry than most of us know. And I'll also throw in one of the top Twitter followers for Twitter follows, I should say, for any music fan out there. And that is Eric Alper. Eric, thanks you for joining us on KMOX. No problem. I thought I saw you in the bank remortgaging your house over those tickets. Exactly. It was a, I've also got a <laughs> kidney up on eBay that's still available if you if you need it. Um, I mean, and, the, yeah. and this was like for third level at Arrowhead Stadium. But uh, my question to you to start off with, and we're going to get into a lot of stuff, but my, my first question to you as a guy who has been covering the music industry for a long time and certainly has seen the changes that have been caused both by, uh, you know, going back to Napster and through Spotify, Apple Music and all that, uh, and also the way that concert tickets have gone through the roof in recent years. When you know that the, the 
all of the means of production are owned by a couple of co- or one company really when it comes to live music and you see something like this happen does it worry you not at all um because and look i'm not an apologist for ticketmaster and live nation i have to buy my own tickets just like you do we we don't get any freebies here so i get it i get the frustration i think what people are forgetting though is that for years and years and years Musical artists have been severely undervaluing how much they're worth on the road. I remember the absolute belly aching that people did when the Eagles cracked at $100 per ticket for their reunion tour. People thought, that's it. How how much higher can artists go? But the dirty little secret is obviously that one that a lot of people now know, is that the artist makes a lot of money and almost all of their money now being on the road. They make very little money, income, profit, whatever you want from the recorded music, unless you're of that top 1%, like Taylor Swift selling 500,000 vinyl copies in a week, that's a lot of money. If you're Ed Sheeran, if you're Drake, if you're The Weeknd, if you're an absolute superstar, you're doing fine with Spotify and and YouTube. Um, But for everybody else, though, they rely on Ticketmaster and Live Nation to make sure that the tickets are priced accordingly. And, you know, what people are forgetting is that the artist is dictating all of this. Ticketmaster is nothing more than a fabulous website that can handle six million hits a minute. Um, And for that, yeah, give them a couple of bucks for service charges. But this isn't anything new. I think where the problem has kind of evolved is that people are demanding now that just because they want something, they feel like they deserve it. And the fact is that there's probably more people who want to go see Taylor Swift than the actual seats that are allowed. And that's where the problems are. Tell me this, because the the picture that gets painted in, uh, of mm. the industry, um, there was a time when you're someone of a certain age, that would be me, uh, I'm 52, so back when I was uh, when I was a teenager, when I was my son's age, and buying albums and going to concerts and all that kind of stuff was like the center of my universe. Mm. You could the artist who wrote a great song was going to make more money off that great song based on album sales. Now yeah. on Spotify, you've you've got a you've got to get a couple of hundred plays to make a penny it seems like yeah. and i just and i and i wonder if you know obviously taylor swift and u2 and the rolling stones are all going to be just fine and god love them but the smaller up and coming artist uh who can't go and charge 100 dollars for a concert ticket yeah. might be lucky to get 10 bucks in a bar uh, how long can that person, especially without the ability to have that one song break and get rich off of it or at least make enough money to live off of it, how long can that young artist today make a living and are we lose, are, are we at risk of losing some, some great bands to the world of what if uh, because they just couldn't stick it out long enough and had to take, the, had to take a real job? Oh yeah, no, I we're we're already well past that, and, and that's the big fear um, that I have as a music lover and as somebody who works in the industry is that ever since really Napster came along in the early two thousand, it kind of devalued what people thought. Um, that they were willing to pay for music. Now, 
one of the the big lessons that the music industry learned during Napster and having file sharing is that if you take your eye off the customers, if you don't listen to what the audience wants, you're going to lose. And so they dictated for the first time how music should be consumed and when and how much. And the audience basically just said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it for free. Um, Right now on Spotify, artists have to have um, for every million streams, there's about $4,000 that goes to all the revenue rights holders. That's the record label, manager, the artist, the songwriter, the producer, anybody that has a hand in it. That's not a lot of money. And it's also a lot of money that you have to kind of make in order to get to a level that you can have a song streamed by a million streams. So we're well past the idea that this is going to be a, a, a revenue stream for new artists. I think what the artists have to realize is that, you know, when they're sticking their music up on Spotify, it's not just another indie band that you're in competition with. Your competition are now the Beatles and the Stones and U2 and Madonna and everybody else that's on there. And I think that's a really scary proposition when you're just trying to get heard and build your fan base. Um, But, you know, it's almost like the best of times, the worst of times. The best of times is that, hey, you get to, you know, record your your song, get it up there on Spotify within a couple of days, which is remarkable. You don't have to wait for a label. You don't have to wait for a distributor or a manager. You can do it all yourself. The worst part of it is so are 100,000 bands and artists every single day putting their music up on Spotify. So if you are the manager of a young up-and-coming band, what is, what is the path you want them to take? Do you want them, do you want them on TikTok? Do you want them just out traveling and being seen? Uh, Is it a combination of both? Yeah, it's not necessarily the old school of like, here's a quarter, go on the road, call me when you're done, you know, your tour and play to, you know, every bartender and, and, uh, you know, a couple of people every night building it because the record labels are sitting in their offices um, with so much data and so much information um, at their fingertips that they know who's doing well. They know who is getting 10 million streams on TikTok or on Spotify that's not signed to a label, and they're offering a deal that way. They're not really waiting for the gut feeling of like, well, you know, this pseudo Bruce Springsteen artist can do really well three albums from now, so let's lock them in. They're they're looking to sign artists for right now for one song and not a whole lot of long term. So if I'm an artist, I'm going to where the audience is, and if you play pop music, it's on TikTok. If you play rock, it's a little bit on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook, but you have to kind of try everything, which kind of is awful when you're in a band. Because look, you and I are the same age, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are the same age where, you know, we used to, you know, watch our artists grow with us and develop over time. And now there's really none of that. So you kind of have to do, you know, funny videos and funny dances and do all the things to attract attention. I mean, can you picture, you know, you two doing that early on? That's not even going to happen. Right, right. Now, for those of you who don't know Eric, I mean, I've sitting here in front of your Twitter page right now. Uh, This is a guy who has got 883,000 followers on Twitter alone and is, is great with a great with, with excellent music history. If you like that, we've got a Rolling Stones cover art for exile on main street. Uh, Then, then the good questions uh, that are, that are great as far as just getting people to engage. What artist or band is not loved enough? 
And for those who need a good cry, what are your songs to do it to? What? Where did you come up with this with this style that that turned you into such a regular on so many people's Twitter feeds? Um, you know what? My my wife was so happy when I discovered Twitter because I stopped bugging her with all this stuff. Um, it it really came down to just posting the thing that I loved reading about. Um, when I got on Twitter about 13, 14 years ago, it was just sharing the thing that I loved, sharing really great articles, um, sharing really great videos, sharing about my day as a publicist and so forth. Um, and when I started asking questions, um, you know, like what, what cover song is better than the original, what's the what's a great bass line of a song, or what song is amazing, but it has to be over 10 minutes long. It was really just about me finding out who the audience was and finding new music. Um, and it turned out that that became the most popular aspect of, of what I was posting about. So I just kept doing it more and more. And, and you know, really, I, I never go negative on anything. I don't make fun of anything. I don't ask questions that would be harmful or insulting to people, um, you know, because I'm a, I'm a positive kind of a guy. I want to promote music rather than bring somebody else down with it. So um, it's really just kind of um, a little bit of, of sharing stuff and a, and a lot of just reading people's comments because that's what I love to do. Now, you're a guy in Toronto, so tell me, I'm, I'm going to go deep into uh, a conversation that we actually had uh, on Twitter DM a while back. Tell me how you became a Whitey Herzog and Lou Brock fan. Because that, that is a warm place in St. Louis's art. Yeah, well, Whitey, Whitey for me was was the the, the the whole secret sauce to having George Brett of the Kansas City Royals as my hero growing up, and still do. Um, you know, as a six and seven year old kid. Um, you know, falling in love with the Kansas City Royals was was something that was absolutely in my blood, um, and I knew I wasn't never going to be a baseball player um, or a musician. But I managed to kind of have a passion for both of them. Um, Lou Brock was just, you know, other. You know, you you seem to have one one player that you got to see in the American League, and one player being in Toronto with the Toronto Blue Jays that you would never see anybody in the National League. So Lou Brock was just this godlike creature to me who I would never get to see in person, but I would stare at his of his absolute giant of a baseball card and and a um just a well respected guy and a classy guy all around. So that's really where it came from and uh you know the fact that they both happened to be, you know, near one another was just a, a happy coincidence. But yeah, watching ABC's Wild World of Sports and watching Kansas City Royals or the or the, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals um was was a dream weekend for me. Gotcha. And I and I can tell you by the way, speaking of uh, Toronto sports uh, we are about a block away from where the Blues and the Maple Leafs are currently tied at four. So uh, the blue the Blues are giving your boys a run tonight. <laughs> it ma- it doesn't matter at all. They're, the Leafs <laughs> uh, they could go they can go eighty two and zero. They're um, they're doomed to have Canadians and Toronto fans suffer since 1967. It's a rite of passage. Um, I'll see what I believe, but go Leafs, but you're not going to break my heart again. <laughs> I want to leave you with, uh, with with one question. I know we've got a little bit longer, but I, uh, the, the, the question that we had so much fun with, uh, with, our, with our listeners uh, when I filled in here and there talking is just uh, favorite act to see live. Favorite live concert? Who 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 have you got? Who are who are a couple of your all time favorites? 
Um, uh, my all-time favorite was, it has to be Genesis. Um, I saw them when I was 11 years old. It was the first real concert I saw without my parents, and I, I, I fell in love with Phil Collins and the band um, a, a couple of months before they came to town, and that was it. And I'm, right now I'm staring at album covers that adorn my wall, and most of them are Genesis. Um, lately, it's this guy from, from the U.K., um, by the name of Sam Fender. And if you love Bruce Springsteen, go check him out. Um, uh, he has an album out called 17 Going Under. Uh, he just played a couple of big music festivals across North America. He's opening up for Springsteen on the UK tour, um, but he's got a sax player in his band. He's very much a born-to-run era performer, but with modern times and modern lyrics and modern issues, and I adore him to no end. So, in the past, uh, Genesis has to be up there, but in my future, it's all Sam Fender. Okay, because I, uh, mine is you two has always been my top live act. Yeah, and uh, that's that's a big one for me. Going back to the Fox Theater in Detroit in 1984, the first time I saw them. Have and, you read Bono's autobiography yes, yet? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, it's amazing, isn't did you, it? Did you read it or did you do the audiobook? I did. I did. I finished it last week. It's probably one of the greatest autobiographies I've ever read. Just so stacked with life lessons and religious connotations and um, lessons learned and humility. And I know people out there are like, Bono, humility, what? He is probably the most apologetic guy in music, and it's just a brilliant book, and I loved reading every page about it. Yeah, the the audio book, if you, if you decide to revisit it, the, I went with the yeah. audio book just because I, I was driving a lot, and it was absolutely fantastic because what they would, the audio clips that they mixed in, they're talking about Live Aid, and oh, they mix wow. in a little bit of audio from Live Aid, and it's Bono reading it. So if you if you find yourself going on a long road trip or something, I would highly recommend that. And I, yeah. I have my 17-year-old son sitting here next to me, so I'm going to throw two things from his uh, interests out at you. His first concert... Uh, that I took him to, and this, you'll appreciate this is a good Canadian. His first concert when he was in the third grade, I took him to see Rush. Oh, nice. Which was awesome, <laughs> and he still loves that. Yeah. And new new bands, and this has a U2 tie to it. Have you given a good listen to Inhaler yet? Yeah, actually, I saw Inhaler at Oceaga in Montreal. Um, I, one of the best-looking kids I've ever seen. Um, stunning guitar player, and of course, you know, sounds just like his dad, to be <laughs> the son of Bono. Yeah, and 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 uh, uh, yeah, just a phenomenal player. Actually, Bono said that his his songwriting is ten times better than than you know at the, at his age than uh, what Bono was back then. I don't know if I believe it just yet, but what an exciting rock band they are for sure. All right, Eric Alper, thank you for joining us tonight from Toronto, 924. You're listening to KMOX. Eric, take care. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Nine twenty-eight in the evening here on KMOX, and I'm George Sells with you until 10. So we're going to do kind of a part of a segment, then a break, and then the rest of the segment. This is how we're going to do this. I want to talk about the whole Southwest Airlines thing. I discussed it a little bit earlier, uh, but just to kind of set it up, the what happened. Why is Southwest Airlines, of all the airlines, the one that always does everything right, why are they in such a mess? Uh, so we're going to... Here first from Peter Green. He's the travel editor for CBS News, and he spoke to KMOX's Michael Calhoun a little bit earlier about what exactly went wrong. And so I want to give you a a taste of that first, and uh, let's hear from Michael and hear from Peter Green on what exactly has happened over the last few days with this disaster with Southwest Airlines. This is not the way many people wanted to end their holidays. The Southwest Airlines problems that we've seen across the country. Of course, St. Louis is a major market for Southwest, so we've had plenty of these issues uh, dealt with here in St. Louis as well. Joining us on KMOX is CBS News travel editor Peter Greenberg. Uh, And Peter, uh, can you first of all give us the context? Why did everybody had to deal with the weather? Why did Southwest have these problems? You're right. Everybody did have to deal with the weather, and the weather forecasting was pretty accurate, so it allowed many airlines to do what we call preemptive cancellations, where they could do it 48 hours out, keep their planes and their crews in place, and be prepared then to restart their operations when the storm passed. In the case of Southwest, they tried to do that as well, but they had an internal problem with their own communication system, antiquated equipment, antiquated technology, where they really had tremendous difficulty uh, communicating to their pilots, to their to their flight attendants, to their operations guys. They didn't even know where their planes were. Pilots couldn't communicate as to which planes they were supposed to fly. Uh, It completely melted down. So to give you an idea of the numbers we're talking about, United Airlines canceled, let's say, 5% of their flights yesterday. JetBlue, 6%. American, only 1%. Well, Southwest yesterday, it was 70%. And 65% today, and they've already told me that 62% will be canceled, Tomorrow, they've essentially thrown in the towel because they've lost control of their operation. How uh, unprecedented is this for an airline to basically, they're not completely shutting down, but to have to say, we need to take a breather for a few days and and really just step back? You know, it's happened before, somewhat less than this, with Continental a couple of years ago when they were integrating a new computer system. It happened with United. But these were outages in their computer system that they were able to fix, and it didn't deal with communication to to their pilots. It dealt with dispatch and fuel load and weight. And, of course, you can't push back from the gate unless you know how much you weigh. Uh, but in this situation, it's basically the first time we've seen an airline essentially saying, we have to shut down more or less for all intents and purposes. 
And that's one of the reasons why Southwest is telling their passengers today that for, you know, for many of them, the, the earliest they can rebook might be Sunday or Monday. So what does this mean for folks who are on the customer side and they're stranded somewhere? Uh, what's the rule, first of all, for uh, booking on other carriers, uh, paying for hotels, uh, that sort of thing? And then uh, maybe not the rule, but what employees have been uh, wound up finding themselves doing in the last few days? Well, actually, there is a rule. Uh, there are a couple of rules. Uh, the Department of Transportation has one rule that says if the airline cancels your flight for any reason whatsoever, you're entitled to an immediate refund back to your original form of purchase, even if you purchase a so-called non-refundable ticket. The other rule that's been recently put into place is that if the delay or cancellation is caused by a problem that's under the operational control of the airline, which means not weather, then you're entitled to a room at a hotel, a meal, compensation, and getting you home as soon as possible at the airline's expense. In this situation, when you look at the number of flights that were canceled by other airlines during the weather, and the number of flights that were canceled by Southwest, it's very clear. And in fact, Southwest CEO admitted as much that this was an operational problem within the airline. And so I fully expect the DOT, which is now investigating this, could come out with some serious consequential fines against the airline. And towards that end, the airline probably figures they're going to be coming. And you'll see Southwest probably take a proactive stance in the next 24 to 48 hours in compensating passengers and reimbursing some of those expenses. Now, for a city like St. Louis, where Southwest really came in and filled the, um, you know, they don't call them hubs, but they filled the uh, TWA void with a lot of connecting offerings here in St. Louis. And so there might not be a lot of other choices on other airlines. What's your advice for folks in a city like St. Louis? Well, it's more than just not having choice. Southwest Airlines doesn't have interline agreements with other carriers that would allow them to endorse your ticket over to a competing carrier to, to take that flight. Uh, American, United, and Delta have those, but Southwest does not. So if you're flying on a Southwest ticket and Southwest is not operating, then you're not flying unless you go out and make an additional purchase at the last minute of an expensive one-way ticket on another airline, assuming they even have space. And during the holidays, you already know the answer to that. They don't. So that's Peter Greenberg from CBS News at the airline level, the big picture level. When we come back... We'll have another guest who will talk about what it's like to have your holiday plans flushed because Southwest couldn't get it back together. It's 934 on Camo X. Nine thirty-seven Tuesday night, Camo X at your service. I'm George Sells. Winding down toward the hour of 10 o'clock. So we just heard some of the analysis of the great Southwest fiasco of 2022, but someone who found himself right in the middle of it, uh, I don't know if you call it ironically or coincidentally, is a National Weather Service meteorologist. Jared Maples joining us now on KMOX. Jared, thanks for calling in. Hey, good evening, George. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Absolutely. Now, you you knew in your forecasting job that the weather was going to cause some headaches with the airline industry, but tell, tell me... Uh, Tell me your story of what happened over the last couple of days. Yeah, so uh, as you know, we had been watching that storm that had rolled through the uh, U.S. uh, through the Christmas holiday for actually a couple of weeks. We know we'd seen a lot of things on social media about uh, the potential for a big storm and and how it would impact certain areas across the country. But uh, as time got closer and everything set in, yeah, we got uh, obviously some really cold 
cold air and uh, high winds and, and the snow. And I was working through some of that stuff uh, as it rolled through. Um, had some holiday plans to travel to see some extended family over in the D.C. area, uh, which was planned out several weeks in advance. And uh, worked a midnight shift last night at the National Weather Service and left this morning greeting everybody a happy holiday. And as my as I was walking out the door, I said, well, uh, jokingly, hopefully my flight isn't impacted and took a little nap. And when I woke up, I got a text message that my flight was canceled. So what do you what do you do from there? Did you uh, are you now seeking alternate plans or is it just a wash and you'll try to do it later? What, what, what are you working with? You know, initially in these cases, when you want to go see family that uh, you only get to see every now and then, you uh, certainly try to make some alternate plans. And uh, that's exactly what I did as soon as I got on. But I I was listening to the news over the past couple of days and knew that there was the potential that I wouldn't be making those plans. And and sure enough, when I got onto the app or uh, the desktop version as well, um, all of the flights uh, from my flight was supposed to be Thursday morning. Uh, All of the flights through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, were all unavailable online, uh, couldn't get anything uh, out. So, therefore, I just thought, well, cancel the one out and cancel the one coming back. May as well save the points. But, um, you know, I'm in the fortunate position that I am home. So um, I do live here and, and have family around this area as well. So I am uh, really, truly thinking about the people who are in other dire uh, positions. Uh, you know, they could be having – um, some more extenuating circumstances they're being impacted uh, by. So I am really grateful for that uh, in that perspective. Well, your your attitude's great, but are you, you got to be a little bit frustrated too. That, that, that's just, especially after hearing some of the the discussion of, you know, antiquated computer systems and, and things like that, that, that probably could have prevented a lot of this. And I'm not just talking about for you, but I mean, they're talking between 60 and 70 percent of the flights out of Lambert were canceled on a you know sunny Tuesday afternoon with a, a 34 degree high. Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're on the mark there. And I, uh, as a former military member, you know, I went in at 18 years old uh, uh, looking for that nice, uh, cheaper option. I've always been a Southwest flyer. I mean, I branched out from there, but uh, I became loyal to them over the years. And um, you're right. Uh, you read some of this stuff and you, you fly these guys so often and, and become appreciative of the options that they have with the free check bags and uh, always getting that front seat when you're uniformed and, and getting into that A class and, and so forth. They've always been really great with customer service over the years. But, you know, I, I've got to admit uh, the past couple of years with some of the new management, I, I've seen, you know, I, I hate to put it this way, but just this quote unquote, just another airline is what they're becoming, unfortunately. I was going to say, St. Louis has always been partial to Southwest, I think, but largely because of the way that they sort of picked up the slack when uh, American bought TWA and, and essentially dumped us as a hub. Uh, it's kind of, I think American is kind of the the, the Rams of airlines for many in St. Louis. <laughs> Maybe not quite that that much hatred, but uh, it's you know people look to find a different way around it. Uh, so so Southwest has kind of been a go to for a lot of St. Louisans, and then you just take the fact that they've been held up for goodness the last two decades that I can recall as being you know the airline that tries a little better and does it a little smarter. Uh, and mm-hmm. what you're saying sounds like that uh, some of that that shine is is coming off. Is this going to change the way that you travel? Is it going to change who you do business with? 
You know, uh, I like to give second chances. I think everybody in life should be given second chances. But uh, over the past year, they've been given chance after chance. And like you've said, uh, it's starting to come out from behind the scenes that uh, these issues were known over the past several months. And uh, even the upper management in Southwest Airlines uh, recognized it at one point. The employees had told them that, hey, this needs to be fixed before the problems continue to get bigger and bigger. And um, you know, I don't want to speak necessarily for those employees. They're obviously the ones who work for those airlines, but uh, I am some a person who travels a lot. And I, I, you know, when I was a kid, this was actually one of my initial loves is is flying. Uh, it goes hand in hand with weather, believe it or not. And um, so that said, I I think you know we're kind of in this culture where if an employee says something, uh, oh, it's just complaining. But I think this kind of wakes people up and says. I think if if somebody says something, you should probably explore a solution to it. And I think they've sat on it too long. And and my my position as a consumer, I I become loyal somewhat, and I, I like to uh, go to the airline that's going to give me the best return on my money. And I do the points programs, and I work through the whole points guy website and stuff, and and do that to to try to make my trips uh, be more lucrative per se at a middle class income. And um, you know, it just I I have to wait and see how they handle this. If you know they they correct it and things get better, then maybe I stick with them. But um, you know, that's just the free market. If if they don't, then you go elsewhere and you try to make uh, plans for the better future for yourself. Well, it's funny that you that DC was your destination because I was looking around online uh, researching the story today. And somebody here in St. Louis, I guess, went through the same thing, and he put up a screenshot. He tried to find himself a flight to Reagan National uh, in D.C. And, of course, we all know buying a ticket, a plane ticket the day of is always ridiculously expensive. But Mm -hmm. a plane ticket from St. Louis to Reagan National with a stop in Dallas-Fort Worth, just to make sure we're not going anywhere close to a straight line, Take a wild guess how much that was. Well, I actually can tell you because I was looking at that. Oh, you um, saw that if one? You the, <laughs> if you, I didn't see the story, but I did look at Priceline. If you did the express deal, I think it was $157 round trip. If you did the uh, the, the not express deal, I don't know what you call it, the regular deal, it was like 225 Oh, no, 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 but uh, you're, you're, trip, so. you're missing where I'm going with this. This, this. this guy just looked it up on American's website. Uh-huh. The, the the ticket on American Airlines from St. Louis to D.C. going through Dallas-Fort Worth was more than $4,000 to fly today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, is, that is not a price I'm willing to pay. That is our airline industry that. for us. Maybe we need to build some more high-speed trains. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a second <laughs> ticket master, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we had that conversation earlier. <laughs> we won't go into that one again. Well, Jared Maples, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the work you do at the National Weather Service. And I'm sorry you're not getting to make your trip. I hope you get to reschedule that one soon. Oh, not a problem. Opportunities to come and go. So, All right. Well, thanks for joining us on KMOX. Thank you. Have a good night. For 946 in the evening, you're listening to KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells. Back in a moment. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. So weather's been a thing for a few days, hasn't it? 
Heard about the airline stuff. How many frozen pipe stories have you heard? And those are all over the place. Right here at KMOX, they, they couldn't drink the water for much of the day thanks to a water main break uh, in downtown St. Louis. Uh, just to show that it was uh, the cold the cold snap was widespread. I'm looking at some video right now by some outgoing Ohio state senator who is showing the Senate chambers in Columbus flooded and water just pouring out of the ceiling into an office. I mean, this is it, not pleasant, not pleasant at all. Uh, another visual floating around online comes from Buffalo, New York or nearby. Uh, it's it's amazing how the Great Lakes affect snowfall uh, and, and the way in which it, it happens, and it's just sort of bizarre. Uh, they've got a map here showing the seasonal snowfall for the area uh, in upstate New York. So seasonal, so just, you know, this winter basically. So Syracuse has had 20 inches of snow. That, from my St. Louis point of view, is a lot of snow. Binghamton, down the road from there, 25 inches just about. Also a lot of snow. But then you go over to Buffalo on that little strip of land between uh, Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. Buffalo, so far this winter, including our massive blizzard we just had, has had 100 inches of snow. No, I did not misspeak, and no, this is not a typo. They have had 100 inches of snow. And there is a, there is a picture online... I'm going to put it up on Twitter here in just a moment. You can go to, go to my uh, Twitter account. It's at George Sells on Twitter. Uh, this photograph is from Interstate 90, just outside of Buffalo, a little town called East Aurora. A friend of mine lives there. And this was posted by a police department there. So this isn't some weird Photoshop job. It is literally a snow canyon where they plowed away enough snow for cars to get through. And the snow is piled up higher than the road signs. Like, you know, the big, the big signs they've got over the top of the interstate, you know, East Aurora, this exit. The snow goes up another five feet or close to it above that sign. It is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen anything quite like that. Sean Michael Lyles, who used to live out in uh, in the outer reaches of the West says he has indeed seen something like that in person. I'd be scared to death to drive down that road. Crazy though. Check out my Twitter feed. If you want to see that picture is absolutely nuts. And I will also look for the, uh, I'll try to retweet that Ohio. Uh, where did that thing go? The, uh, the guy, the Ohio chamber there, the uh, Senate chamber, because that is also a, a very unattractive look. And it's happening around here, too. All the, you know, we've had our snow. The snow was not much. I'm sure we'll get more at some point. But I, I can tell you, as, as we wrap up our evening, my wife and I have a side hustle, if you will. We own a little self-serve car wash down in Arnold, uh, 55 and 141. And... I came in yesterday to a pipe attached to a sink shooting water across the equipment room there. 
That was nuts. Turn off all the water. Deal with getting that fixed. Think we're making progress toward getting things unfrozen and open. And today had three different water lines, all of which had frozen up and burst overnight. Uh, Chunks of ice everywhere, cold water everywhere. It's just a miserable existence. (laughs) It's like, I love the business. I love our car wash, but wow, that was a pain. And, but it, it, it speaks to this crazy weather is whether you're an Ohio state Senator, a driver in Buffalo, New York, a traveler who likes Southwest airlines uh, or a car wash owner in Metro St. Louis, uh, Boy, this affects everybody, doesn't it? Anybody want to talk about global warming? Seems more and more real all the time because this stuff just seems to get more and more severe as we as we move on down the road. And the fact of the matter is, it's only December 27th. Matt Pajeski, when is the worst winter weather in Metro St. Louis? When? Yeah. Say, like, February, I think. Maybe late January. So... We're just getting an early taste. Yeah. Are you worried? A little bit. Are you wondering what's coming? It's like I kind of have that feeling like if we're getting this at Christmas time, when's the other shoe going to drop? Any week now. It's coming. So what do you what do you dislike the most? The cold, the inconvenience of the snow, yeah. the pu- the pipes bursting. What, what what is your least favorite? I hate the snow. I hate walking in it to my car. I hate like the dirty snow that like gray, brown, black snow that just, like, builds up in a parking lot and gets all over your car. It, it cakes onto your car. You need, like, a car wash every week, but there's no point because it's just going to get dirty again. It's the worst. And the car wash is frozen right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, that's I it. think we'll be open tomorrow, by the way. If you're down in Arnold, stop by. But right? <laughs> it's, it's getting through this getting through this is nuts. But, yeah, walking in it, I mean, the, the floor of our house. Oh, my God. Just... You can't do anything. It's like you you go out to the garage and you're tracking in and the poor dog has got his feet almost rubbed raw from every time he goes out in the yard. These are the inconveniences of winter. What was this last segment? What was it all about? What did it mean? It was a complaint fest, basically. It gives us something to look forward to. We'll have something more to talk about. I'm George Sells. Thanks for joining us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.